This is the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com for April 7th. I'm your host, RJ Bell, and we're broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Each week we talk about upcoming games and teach you how to handicap any game. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, bringing 29 years of handicapping expertise to the table, and Vegas Runner, a genuine Las Vegas professional batter living on his winnings. And next week, we should have the return of Stephen Nover, an NBA expert that's been an, uh, many times a guest on the podcast, and he'll be back talking uh, NBA action next week, we expect. Okay, let's get straight into this week's show. And this is the day after the national championship game, and it's a situation where what makes this podcast different is we don't talk about the past very much unless we can learn about the future from the past because we want to give you information which is actionable that you can listen to and say that's going to affect my actions and looking back and talking about a game really doesn't do that that said national championship huge game let's just take a minute and and is there anything that we learned from this tournament that we can take into 2010 vegas runner well yeah actually this this tournament was a lot went a lot more uh, what you're used to seeing in previous years. You didn't have a heavy dose of favorites or a heavy dose of of dogs. You got a a little bit of both. I think they did a good job of that uh, until we got towards the end with the Elite Eight and the chalk started coming in nonstop. But early on is usually when... uh, you'll get too much of one or too much of the other. And I think this year they did a great job, especially in the first four days of the tournament. I'm sorry, when you say they did a great job, who are you talking about? The odds makers. The odds makers did well, and and the books were pretty uh, satisfied from what I gathered, you know, on the strip. And this is one where, uh, and again, we talk about our winners proudly here. We also are realistic. We want to train you to be realistic. We talk about our losers. You had a losing Vegas runner, March Madness. Absolutely. And like I told you, I, I didn't remember having a losing March Madness since I've come to Vegas. I'm sure I've been here over 10 years. It had to have happened, you know. But uh, I, I really don't remember one recently. And I had a really tough time this. I just couldn't get it going. I'd win the first day of the tournament and lose the next day. Win the next, lose the next. I could never get into that rhythm you need to get into as a handicapper where it just makes sense to you. And it really just just didn't even at the end where I was all over Michigan State yesterday and I couldn't be you know further away from from what I where I should be actually that late in the season well I I would say every uh, I mean literally a dozen pros uh, some of them are pregame dot uh, com some of them not uh, I don't think one was on North Carolina that I knew of and clearly North Carolina was the dominant team Marco what's your takeaways from the tournament in general uh, the tournaments in general, I think the key thing that VR said is we got down to the end. Um, the favorites did start to win, which generally the cream does rise to the uh, top. Uh, one thing about the championship game yesterday, and I know it was a big factor for me in the game, and you don't get that happen very often, but it was a second meeting yesterday in the championship game, and that really clouded a lot of the handicapping for me. Uh, you know, I'm a putting revenge factors and things of that nature in. And we did have a lot of games during this tournament in uh, VR. I mean, I can go back to the other game I lost uh, in the tournament that was really one of my big plays, but I, I did well with the big plays. But the pit 
Villanova game. That was a, a third meeting between or a second meeting because they only played once, once during the right. Big East. But when you get those teams hooking up, it, it's a different style of handicapping. And I think that's where my notes are going to go from this tournament is whenever teams hook up for the second or third time. The, the thing that I really wanted to add was that sometimes you could have so much confidence in your numbers because I had one of the best conference tournaments that I remember. I mean, I was just looking up at the board before even having to handicap the game and was able to pick them. And going into the tournament, that's why I felt so confident because I felt my numbers were stronger than they've been in a long time. I mean, they were right on point with the conference tournaments. But again, we said it going in when we did our show on March Madness it's a different animal, the NCAA tournament than the conference tournaments. And sometimes, you know, that run will, will carry over, and many times it won't. And for me, it just didn't this year. Now, Marco, you use the, the term notes, your notes. Um, explain what you mean by that. Is this something where you keep a running log of, of tidbits and, and, and uh, lessons as you move on? Or how do you actually take the information and experience you learn from uh, from a given tournament or a given segment of time, and how do you uh, maximize the chance that you're going to benefit from that in the future? Well, you know, there's a saying: history has a way of repeating itself. So, you, yes, you take notes. I'll, you know, have things in the computer or on, you know, back in the day it was just pen and paper, but now you can make notes and, you know, put it into a word document. And you go back whenever the new season comes around. You know, next year during March Madness, you'll look at any key factors that stood out to you. So that you know that doesn't necessarily mean that'll happen next year, but now you have a reference point. You say, hey, you know, when this happened last year. This is the result, and it gives you something else to arm yourself with data, and it's all about data and how you perceive stats. And it, I will definitely make notes because, you know, I lost the championship game with Michigan State. It was the same scenario as losing the uh, Pitt-Villanova game. It was when the teams met in the NCAA. But on that same note, like VR said, during the conference tournaments, that's all second and third meetings, and we read those matchups very well. But you're doing it in a different venue. You're, you're, you're not doing it like at Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament. You're doing it, you know, on home sites. The, I, I found it interesting, and again, I think the, the takeaway there is how do you build upon your past? Is, is every year you spend doing this, can you try to learn from it? And not just in a kind of, hey, do I remember something sort of way, because for all of us that's faulty, but can I systematically document things in a way that's going to help me learn from the past? Now, with a, on a kind of a lighter note, it was kind of interesting because you told us last week, Marco, that 30 years, this was your 30th March Madness. And unless I'm mistaken, this was the 30th anniversary of the Larry Bird Magic Johnson championship game. So, so literally then that was the tournament. And for most of our listeners, many might not have been born at that point. Is, but, Marco, that was the tournament where you started batting. Who'd you have? Well, I actually started betting before that, but uh, that's whenever I started uh, selling my picks for a living. So that's one thing that, uh, you know, you learn every year. And uh, you're a big poker player, um, RJ, and, you know, a lot of the pros carry a little notepad with them when they're playing. And when they come up with a hand that something different come up, they jot it down and, and, and they take it back with them. You never stop learning. It doesn't matter what you do. Did you have Michigan State or Indiana State? You know what? I really can't remember that far back. <laughs> okay, excellent. Now, for me, the the takeaway 
um, from the tournament was that, again, the cream rises to the top late and that if you can define the motivation early, those better teams, there's some real opportunities to play favorites, even though my instinct typically is to play dogs. This is was the 24th year that the championship game, so the two teams in the game, uh, there was no seed worse than sixth for 24 straight years. And it's the 21st year that the uh, champion was a four seed or better. So so clearly the tournament starts out with a lot of teams, but but legitimately there's maybe 16 that have a chance to win and uh and now it's two years in a row we had a number one seed win it and and i think unless i'm mistaken about half of the last dozen years there's been a number one seed so for all the talk it's really about those best couple of teams absolutely and one point that i'll make that i saw possibly that helped with north carolina covering all these games is the reputation of coach williams being from his days at Kansas, you know, remember how they never, you know, they would win, but they wouldn't cover. And part of his coaching style might have carried over with him with the odds makers, because I mean, they blew by everybody, and and they never got the number adjusted on North Carolina in this tournament. They were never even close. Well, well, hold on, hold on. How where do you adjust the number to? I mean, when you really think about it, Michigan State had a two point. I did a bunch of radio. Um, leading up to Monday's game. And my point was, hey, if you assume two points for Michigan State for home crowd advantage and the line seven and a half, you're saying that this is nearly a double digit on a truly neutral floor. I mean, where do you go from there? No, yeah, you're, I agree. And the thing also you, you got to add is with North Carolina, I mean, money was coming in on both sides. So it wasn't like every game. There was 95% of the money was going in on North Carolina, and they weren't adjusting because, you know, against the Villanova, that game, there was money on Villanova. And, and yesterday, like you said, there was a lot of pros on Michigan State. I mean, think about I mean, Oklahoma State, or excuse me, Oklahoma was about seven and a half. Now you got Michigan State at seven and a half, which is a better team than Oklahoma, clearly. And Michigan State was, in theory, the fifth best team. They would have been the next number one, is, is what most people said. So now you got the fifth best team in the country getting double digits if it was a true neutral i don't know how you adjust much more than that no for the championship game i agree you couldn't really bring out a much i mean this team number. just maybe in hindsight was one of the best teams in the last decade or two i mean again we were talking about this in the office is what team has won i think unless i'm mistaken they won all six games by 12 points or more they did. Um, one thing about the line, there's no question that Michigan State got better later in the year and they had the great run in the tournament. North Carolina was good all year. I mean, we'll, we'll admit that. Yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is how do, what, what do you make the line? If, if, if Let's forget the home crowd advantage and assume this line was really about 10. Where do you, I mean, if you have the fifth best team in the country against the first on a neutral and, and the line's 10, I mean, think about it another thing. Michigan State was... Um, four and a half point underdog against Connecticut, correct? They were seven and a half against North Carolina, which means that, that now Michigan State already had beaten Connecticut, which means they've gotten a little better in the eyes of the lines maker. And still it's more than three, it's three points or even more than three points if you account for that adjustment in Michigan State being a slightly better after the UConn win. Are you saying North Carolina would have been four or so against UConn? Uh, personally, I put the line at three and a half because I was projecting a, a North Carolina Connecticut game on a radio show I did earlier in the week, and they asked me because I was doing it before and the was, game. And was Connecticut the second best team in the country in your mind? 
In my mind, they were. Yeah, at that right, point. So you're saying the number one team is four points better than you know the number two team. I mean, that means you have a hell of a number one team. Yeah, usually you'll have a one point one and a half differential. And, and again, the the first meeting had a lot to screw up the handicapping on this game. But North Carolina was a ten point favorite at Michigan State back in December, and that was a true home court for Michigan State. But if anything, that I think that makes my point, which is Michigan State was, uh, I mean, the odds entering the season were, you know, they were not one of the favorites to win. I mean, they were the second best team in the country entering Monday. And you're saying that on a true away game for North Carolina, they were 10. And we're saying that North, Car- North Carolina came in as the number one team in the country. And I'm saying that on a true neutral, they would have been 10. So it means, so let's say that, there's been a couple of point adjustment from the beginning of the year, even though Michigan State has proven themselves to be much better than expected. So I, I'm not saying the line was well, – I thought the line was too high. Clearly I was wrong about that. But what I'm saying is at some point the lines maker can only adjust so much. And I'm not sure you – know, what would you came out with, a number of 10 in the game yesterday? I think if they did that it would have been way one-sided money, and I think that's what they were trying to avoid. I mean, that's what they always try yeah. to avoid. I mean the goal of the odds makers is to split the action. Okay, so um, we actually dug in. Actually, that was quite good because it was something where we looked back a little bit, but uh, hopefully we talked about some stuff that that we can use moving forward. Okay, the big story now moving forward is baseball. Baseball has started first pitch, opening day, and that means a lot of opportunities. Um, The thing about baseball, 162 games, sides in total, and run lines on every game, you have thousands of betting opportunities throughout the year and that's something think about the nfl 16 games versus 162 10 times the betting opportunities in baseball not to mention the fact that with the dime line and that means for those that don't know dime line means if you have to lay 150 on the favor you take back 140 on the dog that means for all intents and purposes you're paying half the juice half the vigorous on baseball than you are on football, which is 110, 110 each way, which is a 20-cent difference. So if you don't have a dime line, you're making a really big mistake. You can go to pregameaction.com and check out the most trusted sportsbooks that actually have a dime line. So we have 10 times the action of the NFL at half the vigorous. That means opportunity. All right, Vegas Runner, what's your thinking? And again, we haven't really discussed this, but when you think about baseball 2009, what are you thinking? Yankees and Cubs, are they going to represent the American and National League? And that's something that in segment two will actually be profiling the Yankees and profiling the Cubs in segment two. So more generally, what are you thinking as a batter? As a better going in, I'm hoping there's as much parity as there was last year. Um, there wasn't that big favorite, if you remember, last year. Uh, early on, we, we knew that any team had an opportunity if they step it up. And I think this year, with the economy and teams not spending as much while other teams overspent, I think we might get away from that a little bit. And you might see some teams just way out ahead of the pack. And that's something that'll take about a month or so to before we could actually you know have numbers to support it but uh that's what i liked about last year and going into this year that's why i'm taking my time a little bit and seeing if we're going to follow that trend now if you're a dog player um parody seems like a good thing right because the perception is 
perhaps that this team is much better because they're a marquee team, uh, the Red Sox, for example, over the uh, Devil Rays, for example. In truth, they were very closely matched teams last year, but Tampa Bay was uh, much undervalued compared to Boston. Um, it would seem to me parity means that you can bet against marquee teams and feel better about it. A lack of parity would seem to mean that maybe underdogs won't be as strong. Is that your thinking? Exactly. Like, the, you know, when the Yankees won 100 and how many games that year, you, you just couldn't bet against the team like that. They were just so much better no matter what the books did with the line, no matter how they adjusted the run line and the total. People were just betting Yankees, Yankees, Yankees run line every day, and you couldn't find a dog with value to beat them and make money in the long run because they didn't lose one out of every four games. They were losing one out of every seven or whatever. And that's a subject that um, we've been talking about a little bit, and I'm going to want to get into a lot more in the months to come, is how the old-time wise guy approach to sports betting just doesn't apply uh, as much anymore. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But to me, I mean, literally, I know some old school wise guys that would bet against a super hot, highly regarded team again and again and again. They're saying, hey, I'm getting 160. I should only be getting 145. That's my edge. And it, it just doesn't seem to work as well. Like, look at North Carolina. You know, I, I know guys, and, and to be honest, now that I think about it, I bet against North Carolina three times in those six games and lost all three. And again, I thought the line was overinflated in each matchup against Oklahoma, against Gonzaga, against Michigan State. Um, and clearly it wasn't inflated. And, and that's a lesson I'm trying to learn. We know playing the dog against the marquee team is usually the better bet. How can you define that 10% of the time that it's not? The one thing you said that I thought was great is that the old school approach just doesn't work as well now. And that's so true. And I think the biggest difference, especially when we're talking baseball, is that the word value has a much bigger definition than before. Back in the day when I started betting and moving steam for wise guys, value meant a dog. Nine times out of ten. They were looking for value. It was on the dog. Now that's changed a little bit. Now value might be laying only 130 on a good team instead of 150. And I think that's the biggest change that the old school of thought is having trouble with the new way, you know, the, the new baseball, the new sports betting as, as a whole. And I think one, and we're going to go to Marco here. I think the, the 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 most general reason for this transition is that the squares aren't quite a square. Is they're not always playing. You know, back in the day, it was play Notre Dame no matter what in football, and and you know play the Raiders or whatever the marquee team of the moment was. Nowadays, you know, in, in sites like pregame.com helps, and there's a lot of information out there in which people are smart enough to know not to do that automatically, and thus the marquee teams aren't as inflated as they used to be. And thus, always fading them doesn't make as much sense. Okay, Marco, baseball, what's your general thoughts off the cuff? Well, being the old school guy here of the room, I guess I'll, I'll defend the old school methods. Remember that there's very few teams that are going to fit into the mold of what you're talking about, VR. It doesn't happen very often that a team is going to just win, you know, like Seattle did that one year and the Yankees and win at that pace. Basically, the best team you're going to have in baseball every year, remember, is going to be in the mid-600 range. That means they're going to lose 35% of the time to 40% of the time. And because they are a perceived team that 
is supposed to win, you're going to be laying generally 150 to 190, 200 a lot of times with those teams at home. And the value is still there with the dogs. Now, it doesn't mean always take the dog, but you want to look at the spots where it's at. Um, there's situations that I'll break down, and that's the beauty of three-game series. You know, you can look at the first game. I'll take the value with the dog in the first game, okay, because they got three games to play. If the favorite loses that first game, I agree with you. The line's going to be about the same in the second and third game, but now that team's playing at a, t- a higher level to to scramble to win that series. Or, or they're playing with more focus. Right, exactly. So now, you know, maybe that first game they just returned home from a road trip. And, you know, that's one of my theories I love in baseball is when teams come home on road trips, everybody automatically likes to think about teams – bouncing back they're home they're bouncing back but you know what think of yourself when you go on a vacation and i know a road trip's not a vacation but it's not your ordinary routine when you first come home the first day you're back home you got to get back in sync you got things to catch up on even though these guys are paid professionals they are still human beings and i like value with dogs going against teams returning home from road trips okay so next week uh, on tuesday we'll be putting up our, our uh, how to handicap podcast on baseball and our ha- how to handicap series is just the general concepts nothing specific about s- individual teams or in even a given year these are lessons that extend over the course of years in which how to better handicap the sport that we touch upon we've done uh conference tournaments we've done march madness we've done college bowls and now we'll be doing baseball now baseball is so complicated um and there's so many ways to gain an edge that we'll probably end up doing two or three of these over the course of the season in baseball and then you know maybe even over the course of the next few seasons but we'll touch upon a lot of general concepts and uh and it should be very exciting with the baseball now marco you're talking about defending the old school wise guy approach. And my point would be that it used to work. Um, it used to be appropriate, let's say, not that it would work every time, but it was appropriate 100% of the time to think like an old school wise guy. Now I think it's appropriate about 85% of the time. Now you can still win doing it, but I think your winning percentage goes from 57 to 54 maybe. If you follow the strict old school, play the dog no matter what, play the under no matter what approach. One, do you agree that there's been some kind of transition from, let's say, 10 years ago when it comes to how appropriate that old school approach is? You already answered your own question earlier. The squares aren't as square as they used to be. So that took away some of the value in that proposition. People are wising up. And to me, it makes it more exciting is the idea that you just don't play the dog against the marquee team makes it where, you know, and for sports betting, if all you want to do is is, is have random gambling, you know, uh, craps or slot machines or blackjack are more exciting. The thing about sports betting is like horse racing, there's some there's some analysis, there's some intellectual challenge between you and the bookmaker. And to me, the fact that it's gotten more challenging uh, makes it even more exciting. Absolutely. And in the horse racing thing that you threw out there, baseball, more so than any other sport that I handicap, I will use horse racing analogies about coming in and out of form with teams, with pitchers. They all go through ups and downs through a course of a season. Baseball is one of them sports, though, too, that 
this book really doesn't have that huge of an advantage. If you see every year less and less of the total amount bet, their whole drops it decreases while in other sports it may increase year after year and baseball it's decreasing and i will tell you straight i know for a fact it's not just wise guy money that's the reason for this it's your average sports better and all the information that's out there available to them now and like you, you said you can't just fade the public and make money nowadays if you think you're just going to fade the public and turn a profit then you need to be booking and not betting then you don't even have to hit 50% because you have the VIG to your advantage. But you're not going to get rich betting against the public anymore. But you might go to jail if you're booking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's always a trade-off in this Somewhere. world, isn't it? And But, I mean, and, and, and there's certain things that you hear so much that it becomes a cliche. But the fact that a dime line is, is not only half juice but even less than half juice is is so powerful and think about when i say less than half juice because many books will actually still give you the dime line up to 170 180 190 even um and that varies with each book but imagine let's say at 180 is that means that the favorite is going to win you know much more than half the time and the and thus the only time the juice applies is when the dog wins because when the favorite wins is they're paying out um, a hunter and they're taking a hunter. So the books break even uh, if if all the action is is um, equal. The books break even when the favorite wins at baseball. Think about it. You lay 180 on the Yankees, the Yankees win. You collect a hundred, and the bookmaker collects a hundred from those who bet the underdog. All right, the bookmaker hasn't made any money. So only on the occasion the dog wins is the juice being taken, and thus that's less than half the time. So it's actually, in, but in football, the favorite and dog wins about half the time because it's a point spread, and thus the juice is being taken on, bo- on minus 110 on both sides. So it's actually significantly less than half juice when the line is above 120, 130. So, I mean, it really is something. There's so many opportunities out there with baseball. Well, VR, I think you would be the guy that would answer this best. Most wise guys believe that baseball is the easiest sport. The most beatable of all. Uh, there's, I know more guys that just bet baseball and nothing else that make a great living than any other sport, to tell you the you're, truth. You're dealing with it's true odds season. instead of point spreads. It's a long season. You have such a huge sample of statistics to work with. Now, you can deal with, with true odds in football or basketball just as easy, but you're playing the money line, and, but you're having to lay 20-cent juice. Right. And, and so that's the key. Now, let me ask you a question. I would say, from my experience, that if you said, what sport is the easiest to be, baseball might be the valid answer. But if you said, what sport has the softest lines, you would probably say college basketball, correct? By far, yeah. So, I agree. I, but the reason baseball is easier to be is it has half juice or, or less. The VIG's a lot lower for you as a player. Okay. Good segment number one. Now, in segment number two, we're going to be talking about the uh, two teams, two marquee baseball teams, the Yankees and the Cubs, and we'll be right back. Many of you have heard of the newest online sensation, Twitter. Now you can follow your pregame.com favorites play-by-play and move-by-move at Twitter, including Vegas runner Marco D'Angelo and yours truly, RJ Bell. Find out more at pregame.com slash Twitter. It's fresh and free. That's pregame.com slash T-W-I-T-T-E-R. 
And we're back. Second segment of the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from pregame.com for April 7th. Okay, second segment. We're going to do a little audible right now. Is Our plan was to talk about the Yankees and the Cubs. But Marco, in between break, was really stressed. And, hey, this is the last week of the NBA season. And though it's a, a narrow niche of how do you handicap these last four or five games from these teams, but uh, we think it's worth talking about. So we'll be talking about that in the second half of this second segment. Okay, first the Yankees. And uh, I know Vegas Runner's been chomping at the bit uh, to talk Yankees, so hit it. Well, we all know how much they spent in the offseason, and that's the talk of the league. That's all we heard about all winter. And uh, to tell you the truth, that's what you should expect every year from the Yankees. So, if anything, it shouldn't come to it as a shock, especially with the economy down. You knew they were going to go out and grab everyone they could, and that's exactly what they did. Just the signing of CC Sabathia alone is, is probably the hugest, I think, because we saw what he did for Milwaukee, and we saw how big he was for anyone who wanted him around the playoffs they were fighting for him he's big wherever he's at cc yeah i mean but uh when i look at this yankees offensively they're a machine i mean when you got jeter damon tahara now rodriguez matsui i mean they're loaded all right so let's don't get better than that so let's jump in is a rod uh not only is he out and the estimate is june 1st that i've heard but some, from some people that seem to understand the, the medical end of this, this may be an injury, and the procedure he's doing especially is not a fix. It's more of what they're calling a Band-Aid. And, uh, you know, there's some people that say that this injury is never fully recovered from. Um, so let's just assume for the sake of argument we have an 80% A-rod from June 1st on. How does that affect the Yankees? I think they're still solid, and they're able to not only manufacture runs, but they're able to hit it out of the park. See, that's the difference between this Yankees team this year and this year's Red Sox team, where with the Red Sox, they're still in that Manny shock with him gone, where they don't have them big bats. You don't know if they're going to be able to manufacture runs like they did last year. Is Pedroia going to be able to hit like he did last year? You know, that's the difference. Where this Yankee team, I mean, you look at them offensively, and they're just so stocked anybody could step up there and and become a hero night in and night out I think that's the biggest difference between the Yankees offense and the rest of the league the one thing I'll say though with the Yankees I've seen this movie before you know where they sign everybody and then you know how many times you have a cast of stars that never become a team that's an interesting point now my, what I've heard, um, and again, these are from, you know, I, I try to read some of the uh, beat writers and some of the guys that have access uh, to the, to, you know, we always hear about inside information and insider, and that's all powerful stuff. And there are gambling guys that know people and get that level of information. But another type of inside information, quote unquote, is the guys that really know a team, the beat writers or the guys that blog on one specific team, and all they do is focus on a certain team like the Yankees, you can learn a lot. And one of the things I'm hearing is the chemistry on this team is the best it's been since 2000. That um, it's a matter of 
that that the A Rod being gone, they're saying, is helping a lot, mm. and the fact that the CC and um, and Swisher, if I recall uh, from the A's, uh, have both really been a a, a gelling, a a, a uh, very positive influence in the clubhouse, and that there's actually uh, CC has started something where whenever the starting pitcher warms up. The other pitchers run down and are like circled around him, going "Go, go!" You know, cheering him on, and they're clapping. It's like this very uh, t- there's a team element to the Yankees that haven't been there recently. No, they are. They're poised for a run this year, and unlike past seasons, and I know we say it every year with the Yankees, they should be great. But I think this year, you're absolutely right. It's the chemistry that's there. And you look at the start and pitching, and it just hasn't been this solid in years. You got Sabathia, Burnett, Pettit, Chinming Waha, and Chamberlain. And then you got Ian Kennedy and Pat Hughes sitting, Phil Hughes sitting there hoping to get a shot. You got Mariano Rivera closing, and you got a best setup men with Marte and Ramirez. You got long relievers. I mean, this team is loaded. Kitchen wise, and that is the key to winning in September, October, and that's why I think this Yankees team is for real. Now, to me, I, I I'm a Pirate fan, so you know, let's think about that for a minute. <laughs> but but the team, but the team, you know, you all think I have a great life, but well, think about that, the Pirate fans. But <laughs> but I can still remember '79 though. I was uh, nine years great old. Year. It was a great year. We yeah. are family. No, I was actually eight. No, no, I was just turned nine. That was uh, awesome. But uh, anyway, <laughs> Willie Stargell. <laughs> you ever see those Jay guys? Parker, you know, it's Willie funny Stargell. when you're when you're that young, you have no idea the cocaine that was being done in the late seventies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but looking back now, Marco, you were in your early thirties at that point, right? So did did you remember? Did the Pirates seem like a bunch of cokeheads in the late seventies? Well, Dave Parker definitely, and some of the other players, but you know, not Pops. You know, Willie Stargell. Oh come on, <laughs> Willie was shoveling <laughs> they it. They were in. all partying. <laughs> You know, we they, are family. I, I can <laughs> still I can still remember the uh the, the before cable it was uh this week in baseball was like the big show. Yeah. And uh I remember the eighty season after the seventy nine season, they had uh you know, they had that great theme music, like the classical music. Mm-hmm. And and I remember Dave Parker made this throw. I mean, C- Parker was one of the best talents ever. He made a throw from like the wall and right. No hop to third base on a fly, wow. and that and that was the the uh, on the beginning of that show. And I remember I would run out with my glove <laughs> after and and be thrown as far as I could. And well, you know, as good as Parker was, though, go back ten years earlier, and Roberto Clemente had the best arm in baseball ever. He made that throw to third base all the time from right field. We'll have to take your word for that, Mark. I, <laughs> I don't even think there's game film around. There's radio footage of that. Nickelodeon somewhere. All right. So last question about the Yankees. What do you see VR, the new stadium? Do you see that being, for home games, a positive effect, a negative effect? Uh, early on, I think it's going to be a positive effect just because of the motivation, the the going out. It's just like getting a new car. You're but excited. Is, is, the is, first that, 10 is that motivation or is that pressure? Is there too much pressure? I, I don't think there's pressure as much in baseball because they play so many games. I think after the first home stand, the pressure is gone in baseball until you get till, towards the playoffs. So I, I don't think it's going to hurt. Uh, but I do think as the season goes on, it won't be as much of an advantage to them because they still don't know the lay of the land like they did with the old Yankee Stadium, where sometimes 
when you play in the same place for so long, you learn the little, you know, bumps in the ground, the little rock behind the little nooks and crannies. Yeah, where you won't have that advantage with a new stadium yet. I think that. And the only other thing I want to add is I'm not too sold yet on Brett Gardner, their center fielder. I still need to see why they believe so much in this kid. I mean, I watched him last year. He had over 140 at-bats, and he didn't do nothing. I mean, 200 you know, he batted 200, 220. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't have the eye for talent the scouts do, so I'm real interested to see if he comes along like they're expecting him to. I don't think the crowd in New York is going to be as rowdy as they normally are because from all the talk shows I've been listening to, they're not going to have money left after they pay the increased uh, ticket prices that they got for that to buy beer. So <laughs> that's going to be a little factor. Now, um, real quick, Vegas Runner. Now, baseball is, again, we talked about in general the value. How have you done uh, the, in the last few years in the bases? I've done great. Uh, I mean, the postseason, I've always done well. It's always just been very simple to me. Even last two years, I believe, in the World Series, were like 11-1 and one, um, and just destroyed the playoffs. But the regular season is a grind. I love it because it is a grind. But I know last year in the regular season, we won well over 70 units uh, just for the regular season. And the year before, we had an even better year. So uh, ba- that's why I'm so excited about baseball. I'm really looking forward to it. I think I'm readier this year than I've ever been in the past. I probably say that every April because every year you learn something else and you come in stronger. But I, I really do. I feel great about this upcoming season. And remember, uh, you know, from opening day, we've had uh, best bets up there and uh, to check out the best stuff. And we've got uh, Kingmaker, another great baseball guy. Greg Shaker is a baseball expert. Both and uh, Stan great. Sharp, uh, who seems to win in every sport, had uh, has a good baseball record last few years or really documented the last few years but for you know I, unless i'm mistaken i mean you know and again i don't want to quote anything but stan seems to win most sports seven eight years out of ten so a uh, great chance with uh with stan there he's the one play a day guy that we have you can check it all out at pregamepros.com pregamepros.com or you can just go to pregame.com and click uh, pro picks now as we transition into the nba late late season talk and marco is going to be heading this up is don't forget uh, we just reinitiated our thousand dollar cash drawing uh, for the month of April, and that means if you go to pregameforms.com or pregame.com and click forms, um, is every time you post you have a chance to uh, win entries or earn entries really because we give entries based upon the number of posts you do by the number of views they generate, and by the quality of posts. And we actually give gold stars to posts. And uh, literally, you can post one time in a month and win $1,000. So check that out. And uh, that's uh, there's no entry fee. You can't, can't lose with that. Okay, NBA, end of the season, only you know four or five games left for these teams, I think actually down to three or four now, is what are we looking for late, Marco? Well, this is a good time in the season to find some value. Um, Vegas always is going to make you pay a premium for any team that's in a must-win situation. So look for the spots where you can find a team that is in a must-win situation. They may be playing a team that's in a you know out of it, but they're going to give you your best shot. A lot of teams are looking at you know younger players at this time of the year for next year if they're thrown in a towel. But if they're playing somebody that's in the playoff hunt, they're generally going to bring their A game to try to play spoiler, and you're going to be 
be getting extra points with those teams. So look for value in that. Another system that I use in the final week of the season is regarding teams that are out of it. If you have two teams that are out of it, it's a great situation to look to the over because these teams have no reason to play. And I've been a strong... So when motivation's down... Uh, it's harder to play defense, and that's, that's, what, that's what goes out the window. Absolutely. Intensity comes – defense takes intensity, and they don't have it at that point. So those are some of the tips that you can do. Look at teams jockeying for position. Um, the key numbers that you want to look at are the teams that are in that fourth and fifth spot because it is so huge to get the, the home court advantage uh, in the NBA. If, if a team's in the five spot and can move up into the fourth, they're going to go all out to try to get that spot. Okay, so let's back up a minute and talk about some next-level thinking. First-level thinking is, oh, this team needs to win, so I'm going to bet on them. And that's the level of thinking that the, the odds makers and the bookmakers take advantage of by inflating those lines. So what you're saying is, is if a team is being talked about, if the ESPN lead is how Team X needs to win, that's probably a team you want to fade. Right. Okay. And number two is, and this is kind of my concept, if you can identify teams that are motivated but not as evidently motivated a team that maybe is a couple games away from a 500 record they're well out of the playoffs maybe or maybe last year they won x number of games and they want to win at least that many or more or maybe there's a new coach that's on the hot seat i mean there's other times that teams can be motivated and it not be the lead on sports center Absolutely, and the the key point of the must-win is there's teams that are in win situations, but it's not a must-win. With that fifth spot trying to get to the fourth spot, they're playing with something to play for, but they still have the luxury of knowing they're in in the playoffs. They're just trying to better themselves. So that's a motivation that might not be in the line, and 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 maybe the best way to say this is, can you find the motivations that that the team's talking about in the locker room, but the media's not talking about? Absolutely, and that's the best situation that you can have there for those type of teams, and that's what I look for uh, going down the stretch and then prepare for the playoffs. Any thoughts, Vegas? No, I, I, Eric, you guys covered everything, and those are the two most important points, I believe, that teams in that must-win where this is the game they have to win to make the playoffs, you're always going to pay a premium. I highly recommend staying away from them teams, either fade them or stay away completely. And, that, you know, like Marco said, you look for them teams that are jockeying for position, and yet it's not a do-or-die situation. You could find that motivation in the locker room. That's the absolute key point is the do-or-die because they don't – a lot of teams, when they're in do-or-die, will play a game not to lose instead of playing it to win. So it's more about pressure at that right. point. So motivation at a certain point is, is going to be counteracted by the increased pressure. Right. And like the first quarter of the Super Bowl shows that year after year is that's a, a difficult quarter for, for teams. And what you said too, RJ, like you, you have teams like Washington, the Clippers, Sacramento, which one's going to end with the worst record. So, you know, if you're one of them teams, you want to win now at the end. You don't want to be the one with 17 wins. Well, then there's a flip side of that. And this is something Bill Simmons talked a lot about. 
um, last year is teams tanking. Is every you know the worse your record is, the better your lottery likelihood of winning the lottery True. is. So you've got to consider that too. And and one way you can dig into that, you know, you're right. VR in a perfect world, they would be fighting tooth and nail not to have the worst record. But that's not the world we live in. But but additionally, I think now is the time to take a look at box scores. How many minutes are the stars playing? Because sometimes you know, oftentimes you'll see a player shut it down when maybe uh, for the season when maybe if they were in the playoff hunt, he wouldn't, and you get that. But other times you'll see that they're playing a lot of younger players, and you know it's a very complicated time, but you can find some real value. And just be careful of the, the big underdog that looks too good to be true because when it becomes clear that a team has given up, um, if they're playing a team that isn't in a must-win um you'll have a situation where seemingly two teams are in the same boat. Let's say neither are particularly motivated, but one's given up and one hasn't. Uh, you can have some 30-point games at this point of the year, and getting 9 or 10 doesn't do you any good. No, but on the flip side to that, the, the two teams that everybody's going to watch down the stretch is going to be the battle between the Lakers and the Cavs for the number one spot because everybody – believes that that could be the deciding factor these two teams are that good that that extra game at home is going to determine and that you know the championship I agree and, and to be honest that's a situation where I'm not sure you fade those teams because not these are some of you know the two best teams in the league really looking to play hard against maybe some teams that, that aren't really really looking to battle so it may be a situation where with Cleveland especially Cleveland because LeBron, as we've been talking about, is on a mission. And Lakers, maybe a little less because Phil Jackson has is, is, is been around the block so much, is I'm not sure you want to fade these teams. Maybe you want to look more to fade the teams fighting for that last playoff spot. I think that uh, one thing you might want to look at with those two teams is whenever it's a really, really big line, be fearful of the back door. I would look at those teams more in the mid-range lines where the starters would definitely be in in the fourth quarter. If they're winning by 25 points, you're not going to risk a LeBron or a Kobe in the fourth quarter of a game. I think that's a very valid point is if you're looking to play on the Lakers or Cavs because they're motivated, look so look to do so so more when when it's a, it's a competitive game. But I will say this is in general, I think there's less backdoors late in the year, uh, especially when you're looking at double, you know, eight point or more lines, because the teams are giving up in general, and if they're down by 15 with four minutes, they're not fighting too hard. So, so I think you're right about uh, the specifically with the Cavs and all that because they might maybe resting when they have the big lead. But I think in general, the big underdogs are less attractive this time of year. I agree. Okay, good discussion. And, and actually, next year, we'll actually probably do a breakaway podcast on this and, and do a good 20 minutes on it. And uh, that's what's nice about our How to Handicap is they're going to be applicable year after year because we talk about general concepts. Okay, so that was segment number two. Now, segment number three is free picks, free picks, free picks. And we got Vegas Runner at 7-1 and one and 6-0 and oh on the fight. So don't miss it. We'll be right back. This is RJ Bell, founder of Pregame.com, here to tell you about our free $25 offer for new members. That's right, join Pregame.com for free, and you get $25 to spend any way you want. No purchase or obligation required. For $25, you can get just about any best bet you want. This is a no-lose deal. Sign-up takes less than 60 seconds. Visit Pregame.com backslash join. 
That's pregame.com backslash J-O-I-N and get your free $25 before it's too late. Welcome back to the Sports Betting Preview Show. This is Marco D'Angelo. I'm stepping in for RJ. RJ had to grab a phone call. The Wall Street Journal was on the line, so we'll excuse him for that, and I'll take us the rest of the way. I'm joined with Vegas Runner, and this is our third segment of today's podcast. And before we get to the free picks, I'm going to give you guys a coupon, as we always do. I love giving away RJ's money this part of the show. And we're going to have a coupon. It's going to be good for $10, and you can go to pregamepros.com. And when you go to the homepage, you can make any purchase you want to make from our Red Hot Cappers. When you get to the checkout, just enter the coupon code HOMERUN10. That's the word home run in the number 10, and you're going to get $10 off your purchase. It's a one-time coupon. That coupon will be good through Monday. And speaking of home runs, Vegas Runner, your free picks, you have been hitting it out of the park. What are you now on those free picks? Seven and one? Yes, sir. Yes, Six sir. and oh with the boxing? You, you're the man. I mean, if I get into a fight, I'm calling you, <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Marco. I got your back. So you want to go ahead and take it and give us another winner? Absolutely. And I'm, uh, you know what? I was going to wait and, and give this towards the weekend, but for the podcast, we're on a run. I'm going to do it now. Uh, we got a big fight coming up right here in Las Vegas at Mandalay Bay, one that I will be attending. So look out for VR there. We got Winky Wright against Paul Williams. Everyone knows Winky. He's been around a long time. He's fought everybody, uh, 51 and 4. So the guy has a record, that's for sure. Uh, one of the best defensive fighters of our era. Uh, I really mean that. But he's going up against Paul Punisher Williams. This is a genetic freak. To be at a middleweight, as big as this guy is, as strong as he is, as long as he is, as quick as he is, as athletic as he is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. He sits right now 36-1. and one. Uh, That loss was really just never saw it coming. But the kid's on, on, right on track again now. He's got 27 knockouts. He's beaten Margarito. He's beaten Quintana. He's beaten, beaten Vernon Phillips. He's beaten, beaten Shamba Mitchell. What else does he have to prove? Well, it's time to put Winky right into retirement. Winky's been off 21 months. So if he doesn't have ring rust, nobody will. Then we have two Southpaws. Both of these guys are Southpaws. Only difference is Paul Williams, four of his last five fights have been against Southpaws, while Winky Wright hasn't fought a Southpaw since 97. So look for him to have a lot of problems in this fight and just to be holding on the whole way. I look at this as an easy decision for Paul Williams. I won't go as far as saying knockout because, like I said, Winky is just such a good defensive fighter. He knows how to stay out of trouble. But I can't see him doing anything offensively. He has zero knockout power. I mean, 25 knockouts in 51 fights is nothing when you line up tomato cans your first 10, 20 fights. So the guy has no power, so there's no fear of him knocking out. Paul Williams we could relax on that end the only problem is you're going to be asked to lay a high price I saw this minus 185 coming up here now and I don't think it's going to get any lower I think it's going to get higher so I recommend betting it ASAP the other thing you might want to look at you can bet him on it to win a decision and you could get that at even money because again I don't think it'll be a knockout I can't see I know Winky's coming in for a payday he's not trying to 
make a career out of it again. But I, I do think he, he is strong. He does have that pride, that experience. He could hold on and, and fight the whole night. So if you don't want to lay the heavy price, look at Paul Williams in the decision. But me, myself, I've had no problems laying 400 on a boxer if I think I'm going to get paid within 30 minutes. And that's exactly what I'm going to do on that night. I'll walk into Mandalay Bay, and I'll be rooting for Paul Williams because I already have placed my wager. We'll take Paul Williams minus the 185 as our podcast box and play of the week, see if we can make it seven straight fight picks. That was an impressive breakdown of that fight, VR, and I am truly impressed. But, you know, I could have got to the- bet it. I'm going to bet it Thank because, you. you know, the situation, I mean, I would have done it real easy. All I would have did is there's no way that I'm going to take a guy in a fight named Winky. <laughs> <laughs> I could have stopped right there. You know, that's it. You, you know, know, Winky. I, I, I could have just paused right there. Yeah, come on. You're right. Okay. Well, you know, you are the king of the free picks. Uh, my record uh, dropped to five and three uh, after last week. I had a really bad one last week. The Cavaliers laid an egg at Orlando. So I need to bounce back, oh. and I need to bounce back in a big way. Over so. 60% winners, my friend isn't a problem well you know (laughs) when i'm in your company i gotta you know i gotta you know pull my weight so i am going to give you guys a future bet that i think is going to be a nice return it's a it's a long shot we're going to be getting 12 to 1 uh i played this personally uh over the weekend down at uh, mgm and it's on who's going to have the most home runs this year in uh, baseball and i'm going to go with ryan Braun in Milwaukee and I I like this kid Um, this is going to be his second full year in the majors he came up in uh, baseball in May of the 2007 season and he had his first full year last year finished fourth in home runs he had 37 last year I look for this to be a breakout year for him you're getting 12 to 1 with him I'm going to take him to win the home be the home run king this year and that's going to be my podcast play so Win or lose, we want to be adding that to my record for quite some time. But I'm maybe I'm going that's with why I'm seven and zero, and you're only sixty three, whatever percent, because you're giving out twelve to ones, and I just gave out a minus one eighty five. So. <laughs> well, you know that might, be, but you know what? You've always said when you cash the winning ticket, you that don't have to worry. Matters. You don't have to worry about the juice. So that's my free pick for this week. And uh, RJ had to take that phone call, so we got no you free don't pick turn from down our, the Wall Street Journal. No, but. you don't. But uh, we'll be back next week, uh, regular time. And this has been the Sports Betting Preview Show for April 7th. And we'll be back next week. And have a great week, guys.